Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, the GigaCity Company, a philanthropic community partner since 1922 and proud supporter of numerous community organizations. More information at smithville.com. And School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life publichealth.indiana.edu. From the Milton Metz studio in the Radio TV building on the campus of Indiana University, welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, along with Sarah Whitmire, the News Bureau Chief of WFIU and WTIU. Earlier this month, the Boy Scouts of America announced they will soon allow girls to become Cub Scouts and eventually earn the rank of Eagle Scout. The Boy Scouts has offered girls limited access to some programs before, but it has never before welcomed them into its core Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts program. This marks a historic shift for the Boy Scouts in the organization's 100-year history, and today our panelists will discuss what this major change will mean for the world of scouting. We have three guests with us in the studio. Deborah Hearn-Smith is Chief Executive Officer of the Girl Scouts of Central Indiana. Deb Getz is Assistant Clinical Professor of Applied Health Science at the IU School of Public Health. She specializes in youth development work. And Glean Steenberger is a Scout Executive and Chief Executive Officer of the Hoosier Trails Council, Boy Scouts of America. You can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition, or you can join us on the air by calling in at 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also send us questions for the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org. Thank you all for coming. Deborah, thanks for driving down from Indianapolis. No problem. And thanks to both of you for, for coming in today, uh, the rest of you for coming in today. Glenn, Glenn I want to ask you first about uh, this decision and how long it's been in the works. Well, first, let me say, Bob and Sarah, I'm a big fan of Noon Edition, so thanks for asking me <laughs> to be here today. Um, This decision is rooted uh, really having to do with today's families. Today's families are are busier than ever, and uh, uh, most families are dual wage earners. Uh, We have more single-parent households than we have in previous decades. Um, Many of the underserved communities that we're targeting, including the fastest-growing communities being Hispanic and Asian communities, prefer to participate in activities as a family. And all families have less free time. Uh, Millennial parents are desperate to spend more time interacting with their kids, and this change allows us to adapt to the needs of today's families. Okay. Uh, Deborah, I want to ask you about the the effect on the Girl Scouts of Central Indiana. Was was, – do you think – do the Girl Scouts feel threatened by this, or they uh, feel it's a compliment to what you do? We feel it's challenging, but uh, we we feel very passionately about a couple of things. First of all, that adding girls to a program makes them an add-on and not the center. And we really are uh, adamant that girls at some point in their development need to have a single gender experience where they are not the uh, ad- the addition but the main focus. We also recognize very clearly the uh, stresses of family. Uh, but it's not new to us. We have been working in the Hispanic community in Indiana for 20 years. When we started the program, we too uh, had the challenge of family because uh, our newest citizens were not comfortable with our American way uh, of, of family dynamics. And so in our first years, as we were learning the new culture and understanding their perspective and not our own, uh, we definitely had family activities. Uh, we, When we did Camp for Girls, uh, as we start out on Hispanic outreach and some of our uh, newer immigrants, the whole family came. Mm-hmm. Not a problem. Uh, 20 years into it, we have established the trust of the community, uh, and so it's not as big an issue. So some things that you're talking about are temporary issues that if you dig into the culture of the people you are hoping to impact, you get a different sense than when you put your value onto them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, 
it's just different, and I think we have a learning curve. What concerns us most is what girls will get, what is in the best interest of girls. Uh, and we're not sure that in looking at, at the what is best for the family if there's been enough study on girl development. So, Deb Getz, um, from your perspective, sort of between these two, and you are sitting between the two of them here <laughs> in, in the, uh, the studio, um, what, what can you give us just sort of in general about this, this new decision? I think the new decision, um, it, it's going to be inter interesting to see where we are even in a few years as, as change occurs, because change can be challenging. But if we work together, I think we can absolutely meet the needs of kids across a variety of, of backgrounds. Um, my concern is one that I know is, is one that is shared by the other folks here, and that is simply that families are so challenged today. Um, in my very first statement, it absolutely has to include the word opioid crisis. And um, it is impacting every aspect of our lives. There is none of us that have not been touched in one form or another. And as we figure out the systems at the national level, we need to remember, and, and again, I know that my cohorts here understand that it's really got to be about the children and the families and an understanding of all of the ways in which we define family in our society today, as well as an acknowledgement that we all have a responsibility at every interaction in our lives to understand the challenges um, that are be create, being created by opioid um, crisis, as well as the fact that um, we have to be looking out for the safety of our children in every form, emotional and physical. And I know that is something that's been at the center of both organizations since the very beginning. Um, I'm interested to hear how those definitions may have changed as we work through the, our time together today. Mm -hmm. So, Glenn, maybe you can answer this. Was there ever an effort to say, Maybe we should just partner with the Girl Scouts and together have some of the curriculum change or, or something rather than just start having girls. Sure. I, I, first, let me say that locally we, we've partnered with the Girl Scouts and Girls Inc. and Boys and Girls Club. We're, we're always looking for collaboration. So uh, nationally, I know that conversations were had um, with several youth-serving organizations. Uh, but we found as a Boy Scout organization through extensive research that there was a need and an interest to welcome girls into our existing programs. We do celebrate all youth serving organizations that build character and we feel that it's important to allow parents the ability to choose which program best fits their needs. So what are some of the big differences between the programs and what they offer and maybe Glenn you can start and then is, is that some good then Deb you can pick up? Well, I, I can speak to the Boy Scout program. We are uh, uh, leadership focused, building leadership skills, helping youth to develop their character, uh, sense of a belief in a higher being other than themselves. Uh, we, we train people and young people in skills. It could be a career, it could be life skills. And basically, we help build their self confidence. So uh, when they are faced with challenges in the community, they have the tools equipped to better address those. Okay. And, and Deborah, how does that line up with what the Girl Scouts do? What do you, th what are you see as like some of the big differences or any overlap? The biggest, I don't, I think our end goal is the same. Okay. Our end goal is to help children navigate childhood to be productive adults who fulfill their potential. The differences are in methodology because of what we know from research are gender differences in learning and and in uh, acquiring those skills. We are definitely a leadership organization. We believe in building girls, uh, their leadership skills. But in girls, that leadership skill comes in a couple of ways that differ a little from our male counterparts. First of all, we have to teach girls how to make their own decision. The, uh, we find that girls first through third grade are good at it. Fourth grade, when they begin to get in a co-ed situation, they defer to boys. Research, this is not my opinion, this is research, critical to us that girls then have an environment where they're going to be leaders without deferring. Uh, we, we know the research shows in classrooms. Boys are called on more often. We know those, those are the research data. So we, we want them to be leaders, but we know in a girl environment we can have them exercise some of that leadership skill. Uh, 
And so that that's the bigger difference. It really is around our goal for our children are to be wholesome adults, contributing adults to society. That is our goal. But we know that there are gender differences in how girls and boys learn. One of the things I find fascinating, one of, uh, if you take a group of boys and say, who's a leader? They all raise their hand. No skill, no nothing, but they're leaders. You take that same age group of girls who are leaders and you get well, I haven't done this, I haven't done that, and they begin to quantify. Those are the kinds of things that really concern us when you move into a co-ed situation. Will girls become the secondary? Deborah, I'm, cu- I'm curious. Um, you know, I mentioned twice in the, in the opening the ability to become an Eagle Scout is sort of a long-range goal. Does the Girl Scouts have anything that's the equivalent of an Eagle Scout? We have Gold Award Scouts and have had for years. Um, Couple differences in in gold award is just not as well re- welcomed. And again, this is where leadership is so different. Women don't tote their leadership. We come in a little more humble, and we want you to see how great we are. We don't come in and say, "Guess what? I'm a gold award Girl Scout, and this is what I did, and I'm great." So that our women, like Hillary Clinton, like Madeleine Albright, like Condoleezza Rice, who are gold award Scouts, they never say it. Mm-hmm. But they are. Uh, so, yes, we have that award, and yes, it's, it's a high award. And since I want to break the mold, I am a Gold Award Girl Scout from Indiana. So, it, yeah, it works, and it's been there. But we we just – that's one of those gender differences. Sure. That's that's fascinating because I mean the the Eagle Scout is such a well known part of the of the Scout brand. Mm-hmm. And, that's right. And uh, you know, absolutely, I, I had to ask that question because I just didn't know. Yeah, well, and, and most people don't, and that's we understand. That's one of our feelings in terms of helping women say who I am and that I am a leader. And and most of us as women don't say we're leaders. You know, we 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 may lead, but we don't have that same. Yeah. yeah, I'm we're, it. We're talking about the scouting and the and the changes that were announced recently that the Boy Scouts of America would start uh, allowing girls to become Cub Scouts and eventually uh, go into the Boy Scouting ranks. If you have a question or a comment, you can reach us today, as always, at 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. You can also send us questions uh, for the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org, and you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. Deborah, has the Girl Scouts ever considered letting boys and Girl Scouts? No, we really believe that the gender difference is major, that um, we we have the skills, the talent, the expertise, and the finances to do well what we do for girls, but to split that to do secondary not as well for boys would not be what we'd want. We'd like to be the best at what we do. Um, now, having said that, there are many brownie troops where the mother has a little boy who tags along. There are many troops, you'll find as many Girl Scout troops as you will Boy Scout troops, where the leader has a son and he's hanging right in there. <laughs> so it happens. Mm-hmm. That isn't new. And I, that it's just not new. We've sure. been doing that for years. De- Deb Getz, I want to ask you for sort of an overview of scouting in the in the area of, of leadership development for young people. Um, is it um, is it growing? Is it declining? Where's 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 it play? I think it's important to understand that I think scouting has gone down across the board, both in both organizations. Um, sadly, I think that's a reflection of time and and focus and a number of other things. Uh, what we have to do as communities is engage our youth in safe, intentional activities that are carried out by well-trained professionals. We forget sometimes when we get caught in a lot of big picture conversations or when we're down working with kids how much damage we can do and how important it is for us to understand our role in protecting the kids with whom we work. My entire focus as a faculty member in the School of Public Health is creating and helping, um, creating programs and courses to assist those who want to work with kids understand and develop the competencies required to ensure that they are 
um, able to not only do no harm, but truly support the development of youth. And it's a huge area. And the leadership components that are provided by both scouting organizations are critical. And as we have these philosophical conversations, I think it's easy to hear already in what's been said that we have to remember the kids and how we're keeping them safe and supporting them by gender as well as helping them understand how to navigate gender and gender differences as leaders. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't agree more, and I really want to talk about safe space uh, because that's huge, huge for girls, and it's huge for us. Uh, and, and safe doesn't uh, uh, limit itself to physically safe. We're talking about emotional safety. We're talking about uh, that that girls feel in an area that they can talk, that they have someone to talk to. The the big thing about both of our organizations that I think is so critical is that you're surrounded with adults who care, and it's a safe space. It has to be a safe, emotional, physical, spiritual place for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I firmly believe on the grassroots level, every child needs a safe space other than their home, and that does not mean home isn't good. A strong base at home and a strong community base are critical. And I, I can give you examples from years of working with Girl Scouting where the mother and the troop leader talk to each other about what the child needs and reinforce each other, and that's the best thing. Because sometimes the mother can say it and the child just goes, mm. The leader says it, and it suddenly becomes real. That's what Girl Scouting has done. It, it reinforces that. And you know, you've, you've got your, they get to be teens. They act like you're an idiot. And you know, so you, you use that other adult. So that safe environment. One of the things that I know that Deb works with, and, and I've had a little work with, uh, it's one of those passions, is human trafficking. One of the things we know about human trafficking is that the men prey on girls who are isolated, girls who don't have a group. They don't usually take a group of girls. They, 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 they're able to look at a group of girls in the mall and see which one is to herself, uh, who doesn't have the circle of friends. Uh, that's, to me, as critical in Girl Scouting as anything because you have a, you got somebody to talk to, uh, and that's... I think that's so critical. Mm -hmm. The whole opioid and the drugs means that all of us, Boy Scouts and us, have a limited amount of adults. I'm amazed at the limited number of adults who can pass a criminal history to be Mm -hmm. a Girl Scout leader. So we're using more and more paid staff, more and more overworked adults, because you really have to safeguard that girls are not around sex offenders, drug abusers, uh, and that's important. So the criminal histories, the, the training that we do with our adults about how do you spot things? Because you know you, you have to know that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. The, the youth protection programs of the Boy Scouts are, are, are longstanding, award-winning, and uh, my own experience in scouting, about the time my daughter w- was a teenager and stopped listening to her mother and I, it was important for us to have uh, m- caring ment- mentors around uh, that she trusted and we trusted, and uh, that's very, very vital to the development of a young person. Yeah. But, Glenn, just, just in response to something both Deb and Deborah have said here, it, has there been a change in the programming, or are there additional protections now that girls are going to be allowed to join? Well, girls and Boy Scouting is nothing new. I mean, uh, it will be new to Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts, but we, we serve young ladies now through our STEM Scouts program, through our Career Awareness Exploring program, and through our venturing program. So we have youth protection guidelines in place that address both uh, uh, male and female, and we'll, we'll make tweaks as necessary as we, we roll the program out, but this is nothing, serving girls is nothing new to the Boy Scouts. We're gonna go to the phones. We have Ed from Bloomington who's on the line. Ed, go ahead. Yeah, I, I just remember that uh, probably about 30 years ago, there was uh, consideration of merging the two organizations, uh, Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts. And the Boy Scouts, uh, I believe, voted for it. And it was, it was actually taken to the vote, was taken to the membership. And the Girl Scouts voted it down, and they uh, asked uh, 
one young Girl Scout uh, why she didn't want it. And her answer was, we don't want them telling us what to do. <laughs> so, Now there's uh, a leader. Just, <laughs> <laughs> so three cheers for the uh, Girl Scouts and woe to the Boy Scouts. Um, so, okay. All right, Ed. Thanks a lot. Any, any reaction to that, Glenn? That's news to me. I've not okay. heard that before. All right. Deb, I think you gasped. You'd never heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's been conversations. I mean, I, I haven't revealed. I was a Daisy um, leader. I was a Brownie leader. I was a junior leader. I have two girls who worked through Girl Scouts to different levels. Um, because I see that as my responsibility as being a part of the community. But I know that there have definitely been conversations over the years, and, you know, there are different, some differences in philosophy, at least that I'm generally familiar with. I, you know, I, I'm very interested in learning more about how um, each organization has evolved as we've become a lot more familiar with gender identity and teenagers coming out and GLBT issues. That, again, is about that safe space that Deborah spoke about. That's a central part of how we help keep kids safe and how do we create those environments. So I think those are some of the things that have been identified as areas, you know, religious pieces that have separated or have been at, at, the, at the forefront. Mm-hmm. Let's address that issue, Glenn, because there was uh, for a long time there was this history that um, Boy Scouts did not allow GLBT or, you know, gay young men into sure. the Scouts. Where are we now on that issue? Uh, we are fully inclusive at this point. Uh, we, we welcome, uh, starting next fall, uh, any, any young person who wants to join scouting. Um, uh, some of these issues are, are fast moving in our society and uh, sometimes they're hard to address. And I think the Boy Scouts have done a, a good job on this last go around of, of acting swiftly and being a leader in the community uh, rather than being reactive. Uh, we, we have. I get phone calls on a weekly basis uh, that, that the Boy Scouts are leaving their core values, and I can assure you that we're not. Uh, the, the values of the Scout Oath and Scout Law are still fa- foundational to who we are. Um, I think that if we can help uh, a young person who's having challenges, we've all had them, if we can help them navigate their childhood uh, to discover who they are, then that's our role. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you. We're going to have to take a short break. You're listening to Noon Edition. We're talking about scouting today. Uh, We'll be right back. From the Milton Metz studio at IU's Radio TV building, this is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, online at smithville.com, and IU School of Public Health Bloomington, online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state throughout the day at WFIUNews.org and on Twitter at WFIUNews. You can watch unfiltered video of breaking stories on Facebook Live. And you can get a digest of all the day's top stories delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of the headlines, plus the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't find anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with Sarah Whitmire from WFIU and WTIU, and we're talking about scouting today. I think we're covering a lot of territory here. Scouting is uh, it's an evolving area, just as a lot of things in you know in our world are evolving these days. We have three guests in the studio with us: Deborah Hearn Smith, Chief Executive Officer of the Girl Scouts of Central Indiana; Deb Getz, an Assistant Clinical Professor of Applied Health Science at the IU School of Public Health and Glenn Steenberger, who's Scout Executive and Chief Executive Officer of the Hoosier Trails Council, Boy Scouts of America. You can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. 
You can send us uh, questions for the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org, or you can join us on the show by calling 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. And... uh, We'd love to hear you, uh, hear from you, and hear what you want us to talk about. Uh, Deborah, I wanted to give you an opportunity to answer that same question about about gender issues. Interestingly, for women, the, that was never has never been an issue. Mm-hmm. We have always been more interested in the character of the woman, uh, whether she's good with children, uh, so that the gender issue around uh, the the. A preference of our leaders has not been an issue. Uh, in terms of girls, we we have been very firm that if a if a child is identified as a girl in her school, then she's a Girl Scout. Um, we don't do underwear inspections, uh, so we've really been open to the whole issue of uh, whether or not uh, this whole gender issue and lesbian. It's just. We accept girls on all levels, and whomever she is, she is who she wants to be. Um, Mm -hmm. So it never was. We didn't have to vote. Mm -hmm. It never was an issue. Thank you. Deb, uh, we've we've talked uh, in the program already about the opioid issue. We've talked about um, human trafficking. I mean, this is the scouts. We, we, I mentioned earlier, I mean, we talked about how, yeah, maybe the numbers are going down, but there are big reasons for numbers going down. And, and there are, I mean, there was a book, what, 20 years ago about bowling alone. People were doing things alone. And now that, that whole idea of, you know, organizations and everything that's happening in the family and society has you know, dropped numbers of people. But I wanted to, you to uh, you know, address these issues and how they come to, into play when we're talking about scouting in 2017. Mm-hmm. I think the most important piece is understanding things from the kids' perspective. And I know that both boy and girl scouts do that very well. Um, one of the things, and, and again, Deborah kind of initiated it, and it's kind of an area that I'm very passionate about is this concept of human trafficking, um, crimes against children, really supporting kids um, and protecting them from, uh, from danger. And it's important, again, that when we talk about scouting and Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts, we also think about trafficking in the same way in that we have both males and females who are victims and victimized um, through trafficking. Though it's, it's clearly more predominant um, with young women or with women, it's certainly still an issue for men. And um, when we look at how we can use both these organizations to really reach out to kids, help open up conversations, help engage them, um, that is a place where I do feel like kids are a lot more effective in single gender groups because there is an increased level of, com- of comfort. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I think it's really important when we stop and think about these things is, again, let's go back to what's really happening in our society. We get past kind of this increasing evolution between the two scouting organizations and say, our kids are coming out based on um, their gender identity um, much earlier, much younger. They're feeling more comfortable. And those are the same kids that are also getting bullied. And so it's really critical that when we have these big conversations at the national level, we're really, again, thinking back about what's best for kids. And again, how do we step away from trying to identify them based upon their gender and and, and work with them based upon what they need to be that well-rounded leader that both organizations are seeking to, to provide? You know, hearing all of you talk today, it, it just strikes me that, you know, we've, we've as we've come um, into, you know, the, the 21st century, scouting has a little bit different place in society. I mean, it used to be back when I was a kid, you'd join the scouts just to have fun. And now it seems like there's a lot more um, of a, a social role to be played by scouting. Glenn, am I right? Wrong? No, no I, th- I think you're right on. I, I think there's a lot of competition uh, for us out there now. It used to be scouting or Little League, and you, you can do just about anything. So lots of things for families to fill up their time with. And that's another reason that we felt that this was a, an important change for our organization. What can we do to continue to adapt as we've adapted over our 107 years uh, to m- remain relevant in society. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you, you look back in the early 70s and when we brought in the, the career awareness exploring programs to help teenagers uh, plan their future from a career standpoint uh, to today where we're looking at, at providing the whole family the, scout, the Boy Scouting program. Mm-hmm. 
I'm going to come at this as the really naive person. But when I was in Girl Scouts, I remember so much of that. Um, teaching you, you know, how to be a, a grown-up woman and, you know, how to well, be a, a leader. But to me, the when I heard the Boy Scout thing, the appeal was, oh, I can go climb trees and, you know, do, like, really raucous, rowdy things that maybe I couldn't do in the Girl Scouts. I th- you know, one of the things I wanted to respond to is, I think, is um, our founder, Julie Gordon Lowe, founded Girl Scouting because girls were trapped in particular roles, and she felt that was not right. So that is our core of who we are. It is not new. You do it through fun because no child wants to go to school six hours and then come sit to the Girl Scouts and go to school for another hour and a half. But our core, our whole mission is because girls in 1912 were trapped in the kitchen. And she said, no, we're not going to be trapped. So that is who we are. So we have always been socially responsible for women fulfilling their potential. And we feel until women have really achieved full equity, we have a role. Because you can't wait till you're 21 to feel equal. You need to start kindergarten. So it's not new for us. Um, I think that's one of them. Is we were founded on the principle of girls need to ha- explore their options. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about human trafficking from one other point of view, and that's from the state of Indiana, because Girl Scouting has been involved in other states in human trafficking as a point of rescue. When girls have been rescued from human trafficking, you will find a program that's been going on for many, many years out in Phoenix where they actually call the Girl Scouts, and the Girl Scouts mm-hmm. pull the girls in, and that's where they get uh that's, that's a safe place, uh, and that is a role we can play. Indiana just recently, and you will know this, had to lobby to decriminalize it. We couldn't do it because the girls were put into the criminal justice system to which we couldn't pull them out. Now that Indiana has opened its eyes and know these girls are abused, not criminals, um, Girl Scouting is playing a real role. And I just want to say that because that is the kind of thing we do. Those are our girls. These were young women. Um, I learned, unfortunately, that Phoenix and Indianapolis and those of us who have large sporting events are the worst offenders. Mm -hmm. And so Phoenix has been probably 15, 20 years. They are the rescue site. Well, and if I can kind of jump off that and really pull this back to Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, because, again, it's about understanding what's happening in our world. I work um, through a grant and and through a partnership with the Indiana Youth Services Association, specifically with the Indiana Trafficking Victims Assistance Program. And it literally is developed to help folks um, learn about trafficking in Indiana, help to um, educate others. They've educated over 20,000 folks in the last 18 months um, to help folks who work with kids know what to look for and then ultimately to help provide referrals and train folks that are in service delivery programs. And what's so exciting and just horrifying about it is in the last just over two years, they've identified 180 young young people, um, primarily women, in the state of Indiana under the age of 18 who were identified as victims of human trafficking. And when we can get past the national conversation and get back to what's happening in our community, this is when we need to come back together and this is where my public health perspective really comes in. Public health really means engaging in the community and looking at the social pieces and that's something where we really have to look at the big picture and bullying. I mean, all of these things come together and that's what is very much a part of the core programs from both organizations. One just very quick follow-up question to that. You, you talked about 180 um, kids under the age of 18. How young do they go? Um, horrifyingly as young as, as, as very tiny. Okay. <laughs> there have been cases in the state of Indiana, um, either with trafficking or internet crimes against children or contact offense with, offenses with children that actually address newborns. Um, small, small children, definitely infant. Um, and, and again, it's about child protection. That's the centerpiece that ties us all together. And if we look at it, again, from a public health perspective, it's about keeping kids safe. And, you know, I have an entire program of coursework that brings in psychology, human development, sociology, nutrition, family engagement, 
counseling, court um, engagement with the, the legal system to help prepare folks to be youth work professionals. I sit on the national um, certification um, board tied to certifying folks as child and youth care professionals so that we can really help people understand that the work that both these folks do and the work that folks do across our country and um, in Canada, because it's a, a, a North American certification effort, um, need to understand that while we're having these big conversations at the national level, when we're down working with kids, we need to understand what they need, again, not just to keep them from being harmed, but really to develop to them flourish. in the way. Yeah, and I think that's the value of both of our programs is we're grassroots organizations that, that have community volunteers that, that work in the neighborhoods, mm-hmm. and, and we're teaching them to uh, make sure that we're giving kids a safe space. Uh, we're, we're teaching kids as part of their joining requirements to uh, know what a safe space is and how to say no and what to do when something happens that shouldn't. And, and I think that's a, a value that you get in either of our programs. So thanks for bringing that out. We do have a, a phone call. Let's go to Troy from Bloomington. Troy? Hi. Uh, yes, I'm just uh, curious. You guys had talked about increasing the accessibility of scouts, and I was wondering, is there a place now in the scouting organization for atheists or atheist families? That's a great question. We do, in the Boy Scout organization, uh, believe uh, in God and country, and that is uh, foundational to who we are. We don't say, uh, I think a lot of times in, in southern Indiana, people think that we're a Christian organization, and that's not who we are. We, we believe that for a young person to achieve their full potential in life, they have to believe in something bigger than themselves. Uh, they could be Muslim. They could be Christian. They could be Jewish. They could believe in Mother Nature. Uh, and we don't profess what they have to believe. But we do ask that they have a religious principle that they believe in something grander than themselves. Okay. Well, what we allow is for a girl to define God for herself. Uh, and we have an extensive program called My, my uh, Promise, My Faith, uh, so that we really allow families and girls to establish their own faith belief. But... I will say our promise is I will do, do my best to serve. And we say God usually, but every girl is allowed to insert mm-hmm. who she calls God. All right. Thank you, Troy. Thank you. All right. Our phone numbers again, 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or toll free at 1-877-285-9348. Uh, you can also join us by sending your questions to news at indianapublicmedia.org or uh, by following us on Twitter at Noon Edition. Deb, could you talk a little bit about the benefits of single-ed programming versus co-ed? I, I think that there's lots of perspectives on the, on the topic. I think the most important piece is that a child feels safe first, regardless of gender. But I do think kids feel more comfortable in general speaking about some topics when they're um, with folks who are more like them. And that could be, again, based upon kids and when they choose to identify which gender they most affiliate with or just... Um, confirm what their sexual identity is, um, it, it really is about feeling safe. Um, I, I firmly believe that those conversations that are had among single gender, if we're going to make the label, um, folks are different than those conversations when we have a variety of genders. But it, from my perspective, it really comes from, from a safety um, aspect. And if kids feel safe in an environment regardless of gender, that's when you're going to get the most um, possible benefit out of it. I got to tell you, though, that the concern for me is that we find those places where youth feel safe. Um, I have changed the way I teach now. Um, I have 160 bright faces twice a week uh, this semester, and I've made a very intentional effort to stop talking about boys and girls or men and women, and I constantly now use the word human because I think it's just really important, especially in our current environment, that we find ways to bring folks together and we acknowledge the importance of respecting folks regardless of gender or gender identity, sexual orientation, any of those things. And, um, you know, I, I feel hate a lot in places where I hadn't, you know, 18 months or two years ago. And I think if kids 
humans are in a place where they feel safe, they are absolutely going to, to get the most out of it. Now, I, again, I do believe there's a role for both boy and girl scouts, but I think it's that, that kids should be able to make and families should be able to make the choice that's best for them. And I'd just like to add that I think that many, many folks don't have all the information on what we're planning on, on rolling out. Uh, in fall of nine, excuse me, fall of 18, uh, we will be inviting girls to join the Cub Scouts, and they will come and join an all-girl den as a part of a Cub Scout. So we will have all-girl dens and all-boy dens um, that will come together as a pack that is co-education. But the weekly uh, installation uh, of lessons and, and fun are done at the den level, which is single gender. Um, we believe that this is customer friendly to our charter partners because the charter partner, the local church or local school can decide that we want to have a single gender boy Cub Scout pack like it has always been. We want to be co-education or they could have a single gender female Cub Scout pack. So I think that's interesting. Um, I think that as as kids develop, there's a time for single gender. And I think you guys are exactly right on that. Um, and I think that this is more customer friendly to our local partners. I and mean, what do you see in terms of, will this affect a child's development at all, Deb, based on which, which path they would go? Again, I think it's just up to the individual. Yeah. I really think in our society maybe we need to stop thinking about gender so much and think about what kids need. And um, the pervasive impact, and again, I keep bringing it back to the, the central public health issue of, of opioid abuse crisis across every aspect of every society in our country, is what I see to be the bigger concern. And when we bring folks together who feel safe and who are honored for who they are, then I think that's when you're gonna get the most development out of them. And if it happens wearing a green suit or a brown suit with boys or girls or in a co-ed or a gender neutral kind of perspective, that's I think where we need to go because it's about supporting our community and, and the kids who just don't have support at home. So uh, you, you keep saying safety, so I feel like I have to ask, if you're talking about, um, you would have these individual cub packs, but then if, when you do larger activities, mm -hmm. it's, is this going to be a place where you have one girl potentially and a, and a lot of boys? I mean, does that, does that raise safety issues? Well, well we have that now. Uh, we have, uh, uh, National Youth Leadership Training, where well, just this summer we had one female and, and 36 boys were in that in that program, and the, the key is is to provide the safe environment. So as long as we're providing or adhering to the youth protection guidelines of the Boy Scouts, that youth should never be put in a situation that is mm -hmm. questionable. Mm -hmm. I, I really have a hard time with this, and I and I'm sitting here thinking, how do I how do I address this in a non-passionate way? But having grown up as a Girl Scout and, and been employed uh, Girl Scouts for 47 years, I know that our, and having raised sons, no daughters, uh, having been so involved with both organizations and having been a part of integration when schools were first integrated, it takes more than uh, what we're talking about if you're going to be able to talk about safety of children. When you are the first girl, the first black, the first gay, I don't care what you are, in a group, you need to be able to identify who you are and celebrate who you are. And what I hear us talking about is not celebrating differences, not elevating a child to feel good about who they are in their own skin. Um, when you're the only girl, you stick out. You are not, I don't care what the guideline says, the acceptance is different. When you're the only black, when you're the only gay, if I want to be who I want to be, the, the acceptance is not about guidelines. It's about is the program and the people sensitive to who I am? Are they culturally competent to handle me? And my experience as a child and as an adult has been no. Unless you start the work before you accept me, you're experimenting with me when I come in. And that for children to me is unacceptable. Mm -hmm. Because what happens is the first children through are damaged. Mm -hmm. uh, when Deb talks about doing no harm, you do more than that, you do harm. Because you're experimenting with your value system on that child uh, who comes from a different family, a different culture. Uh, and and I, 
one of the things that Deb is so correct about is children are self-identifying in gender at age five. I've got five-year-old parents calling me that my child is transgender, my child is, and what do you do? Well, guidelines don't help you. Uh, and we need to do that before we accept the child. There are we need hours. to have our, our ways. Mm-hmm. I, and I'm not, I'm not saying you. It's sure. just to me the whole tenor of how we're dealing with children uh, harkens back to a time when, when we thought we were doing right when we, when we did some harm. So I just want us to be, you know, I, I'm, it's not the Boy Scouts. To me, this is bigger than Boy sure. Scouts. It's how we're dealing with children. Uh, and how we're making some mistakes by assumptions. So I, I just have to say that I have sure. lots of passion around children. Uh, I have lots of passion around the bullying, the human trafficking, the acceptance of who I am. Because as much as I'd like for us all to be human, I'm a black woman, and I want you to know that and respect that. Deb, I was on the other side of the spectrum. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a father of uh, a daughter. And she was in Girl Scouts, and then she was also in the venturing program in the Boy Scouts. And uh, her, her self-esteem is very good. Uh, she called me this summer. She's a junior here at Indiana University, and she wanted to share that she got her job with the IU Alumni Association uh, because of the Boy Scouts. And on her first day of employment, her boss said that her resume stood out because it said that she was in Boy Scouting. And Mm -hmm. I think he was suspect of it when he saw it. And he said, so I was a Boy Scout. What can you tell me of the Scout law? And she said, a Scout is trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. And he was impressed and said, you know, I expect you to live by those words every day on this job. And those are the words of the Scout oath and the Scout law are not gender specific. And I think that she would have greatly benefited and valued to have the chance to become an Eagle Scout. So I think this is a great chance for families to choose which program, which are both valuable, best fits the needs of their family. I wanted to ask um, all of you really about, you know, we've talked a lot about changes in society. And I wonder how the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts both change your curriculum and change your programs to try to address these issues. Well, I think I think um, STEM education is probably the biggest one that's been uh, really gotten a lot of press. Uh, We all know that any child now going through the education system who's going to be successful as an adult has to have a background, an understanding, and appreciation for science, technology, engineering, and math. I don't care what they want to be. If you can't turn on the computer and figure out what to do, it's not going to happen. So that we have uh, really doubled down on that. It was over 20 years ago that the American uh, women, university women, like AA, whatever, came out with their study about how girls were lagging in math and science. So this isn't new. Uh, We built a math and science center in central Indiana 20 years ago to address that. So we do definite program. So that now if we are baking a cake, we're doing the chemistry of baking a cake. Uh, and, and, you know, that sounds funny, but that is what you want to take a chemical and you want baking is a chemistry. You understand it. Uh, we do lots of coding. We're teaching girls to code. Girls who code got to be able to do that. Uh, and again, our research shows when they do that in a single gender situation, they can excel. We have robotics team. You have one here at IU, the robotics team, this Girl Scout troop, that are winning national attention. They are, they're taking names. They're just great. Uh, and I'm so proud of that team because that team came together. I don't know if you know much about it, but they are all children of IU who their, their countries of origin are each different. They came here as first-year immigrants, you know, parents are coming to IU, nothing in common. Language barriers, cultural differences, boy, but they got the robotics and they're winning national. So we're real proud of that. And that's really where the difference is. Um, I laugh and say that um, 100 years ago when Julia Gardner founded us, girls did signaling. Remember the old flag signals and Morse code? Well, now we code on the computer, but we've been coding for 100 years. <laughs> Glenn? Yeah, I, 
I didn't join scouting 40 years ago to have my character built. I wanted to have fun and adventure, and that's the same reason kids join our programs today. I, I think the the adventures that we offer need to develop and evolve over time. Our most important or most popular badges at camp are welding and robotics. So who would think that you would go to summer camp to do that? So I think that that's one change, but I also think that in all the challenges that it's harder to be a teenager now than when we were kids and we need to equip our young people to have the tools and the resource resources at their hand to handle these challenges when they're faced and I think that both of our organizations do a good job of helping to equip young people to have successful life mm-hmm. thanks um, Deb we only have a minute to go so I'm gonna let you wrap up this program so what <laughs> what what do you what's the takeaway you hope that our, our listeners get today I think the takeaway is that we acknowledge that there's room for gender-specific and um, gender-co-ed programs. I also think as our society continues to evolve, we have to understand all kids, not the ones that fit into certain boxes, and that our society has so many challenges that they have to overcome, and the public health awareness regarding how um, opioid and other challenges is impacting each of our communities is critical and I think both scouting organizations do an amazing job with it. I think the challenge is how do we really reach those kids that don't maybe have that family support, um, the ones that are the the more at potential risk for um, significant challenge if they don't have the external and internal assets they need in order to be successful in our society. All right. Thank you very much. That was Deb Getz, Assistant Clinical Professor of Applied Health Science at IU and the IU School of Public Health. We've also uh, heard from Deborah Hearn-Smith, Chief Executive Officer of the Girl Scouts of Central Indiana, and Glenn Steenberger, Scout Executive and Chief Executive Officer of the Hoosier Trails Council for Boy Scouts of America. Thank you all very much. It was a great program today. And thank you to producer Angela Batista, engineer Mike Pashkash, and Sarah Whitmire. I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from School of Public Health Bloomington. Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. Publichealth.indiana.edu. And Smithville Fiber, the Gigacity Company. Fiber Internet, HD, and digital IPTV in Southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. <laughs>